Welcome to uh, Building the Blockchain Internet Podcast Talk Show, and it's brought to you by AccuChat, and I'm David Whiting, your host. Uh, this podcast is a discussion with leading speakers, founders, investors, and influencers operating blockchain and tech incubators, accelerators, and uh, different kind of uh, crypto blockchain funds that we're going to talk to um, over the podcasts. Uh, in this week's episode, we'll be discussing uh, building the blockchain with Barbara Bickham from Los Angeles, founder of uh, different accelerators, co-founder of the Women's Innovation Fund Accelerator. Uh, she's founder of um, the Blockchain Accelerator for Global Growth. And we'll be speaking with her along with my co-host, uh, Will Walker. Uh, Will Walker's here. And uh, so we'll um, introduce my co-host first. Uh, hi, Will. How are you? Doing well, David. Thanks for having me. And um, hello, everybody out there. Doing well and pretty excited about a lot of events that are going on in both the uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency space. I'm sure people out there are interested in perking up their ears as the market picks up. One thing that I've been, you know, partnered with for years now is uh, CrowdCreate. And uh, CrowdCreate is really seeing a big uh, quality deal flow in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space right now. As you know, we had the fastest uh, raise. We, you know, raised over $18 million for the Byzant token in one hour and 15 minutes. I think we still hold the record for the fastest raise, token raise ever. But, you know, that was a little while ago, and we've got uh, a number of new projects. We have over 50,000 now influencers and experts in the field that we work with and finding the right accredited investors and strategic capital sources for companies. And, you know, if your viewers want to know more, they can check our deck out at will at crowdcreate.us. And uh, that's my email as well, and that's crowdcreate.us. Uh, there's quite a good five-year study, case studies on there. One of the things I see right now is more and more institutions getting in, which has really got me personally excited since I have a 20-year-plus track record in private equity and about six years in digital assets. So uh, Microsoft is one that's been very, very instrumental partnering up with some different blockchain companies that I'm working with, such as BlockCerts. And uh, I'm sure your viewers are going to hear more about that company and more about how uh, that's going to be addressing many of the business uh, uh, connections to any business, whether they be blockchain or crypto uh, aligned or not, because they can all use block search, which is going to be a tremendous vehicle to replace CRM uh, solutions and uh, uh, other types of uh, KYC DocuSign type of solutions in the blockchain where they can actually own their own data. So those are just a little smattering of things that I'm, you know, certainly excited and you're seeing a lot of deal flow, a lot of institutional adoption, a lot of different utility solutions uh, through blockchain and certainly through crypto and digital assets as well. So I encourage everybody to... You know, check out our site and also, you know, stay in touch with me and certainly through David and David Whiting and AquaChat. And I'm excited about having Barbara on today as uh, as she's accelerating, connecting with a, a digital world out there through, ins you know, in institutional, inspirational women. And uh, Barbara, welcome aboard. But I'll probably throw it back to uh, throw it to you just to say hello and maybe tell a little bit about yourself. 
if you will. I'm Barbara Bickham. I do three things in this space. First thing I do is I have a blockchain advisory company called Trail Ventures, and we help put companies uh, technically on a blockchain. So we do strategic technical advice for companies. That's one thing we do. Uh, so I'm the founder and chief technology officer there. Second thing that we do, which you touched upon, is um, I won the Blockchain Accelerator for Global Growth. So we're affiliated out of USC. We do two things there. We help companies become fundable by doing a due diligence intensive. We kind of teach them the back end of how do you raise money. And uh, we help them grow and scale by getting them clients internationally. So we help, you know, do a very big go-to-market plan um, in an international way and help them grow and scale that way. And then uh, WIFACS, which actually is the Women's Innovation Fund and Accelerator, um, we are an Opportunity Zone Fund that is raising money for blockchain and AI projects to create the next-gen investor, next-gen entrepreneur, and next-gen workforce. Um, and uh, that fund is unique in that you have to have an equal uh, amount of men and women at the sea level. So if you have one man, you, know, you, have, you must have one woman as well. So that's our, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the Women's Innovation Fund. And so so it's, so that's, it's, that's it's the Noah's Ark of investing, isn't it, Barbara? One, one and one. <laughs> yes. Aligning. <laughs> I like that. Could, one couldn't one. resist. But, you know, I some, couldn't resist, but get that in there. Some people, that's great. Some people call it like gender, you know, balance or gender equal. We work kind of like gender mm -hmm. neutral. And, and all the statistics kind of prove that, you know, if you have kind of a diverse set of people around you, you know, your company is just far more successful in general. So. Yes, yes. Variety is the spice, spice of life. So it's great to yeah. hear what you're doing and working on. And, you know, once again, I encourage everybody out there to really get involved with some of these, you know, companies and, and accelerators and get educated, get involved and certainly, you know, take advantage, whether for profit or helping others or just being part of such a, you know, a groundswell here that is uh, touching just about every walk of life and going to continue to certainly, um, certainly achieve that. So. David, I'll send it back to you for a minute too, just to see what you want to ask. Yeah, great. Thanks, Will. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I was. Uh, thank you, and thank you, Barbara. I'm very impressive what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking uh, where to start. I think probably the best way to start is um, asking you a few questions about what you're doing with the International Business Accelerator. Maybe we can start because I know you're doing Trailing Ventures. You're doing the Women in Innovation Fund. And why don't we yeah. start off on the uh, international side? Um, what you're seeing uh, the current landscape of blockchain in the U.S. and globally and what you're seeing through the through your um, accelerator and your innovation funds. So both of those vehicles, not only the, uh, the blockchain accelerator for global growth, but also the Women Innovation Fund, has seen a lot of deal flow internationally. And uh, there's kind of two reasons. A, uh, companies want to come into the U.S. because we still have, you know, the most kind of investors. We still have the most kind of prestige as, as far as investing. Um, and we still have kind of the, the cachet of, you know, a big, huge marketplace. So those are three reasons why people look to come to the United States. As far as taking your company outside of the United States, 
um, you know, the reason why we look at it from a global perspective is once you're on a blockchain, kind of the decentralized nature of what it is um, makes you think, hey, I need to go more than just here in the U.S. So it's an expansion of your company, and it's also a way to kind of decentralize and have a more decentralized nature around uh, around the blockchain, which is one of their one of its core tenets. So um, as far as like the marketplace, the United States is catching up um, as far as blockchain knowledge. You know, more of these large entities are coming into the game. As uh, Will it stated, Microsoft is coming into the game. Uh, Facebook is, is coming in. Um, IBM has already been in there. So, you know, it, it's just going to be more and more and more people that are going to enter into the market, which will create a mass adoption. With the mass adoption, there'll just be more and more people that will be able to utilize and make it easier for the blockchain to be accepted in the bigger realm of consumers. So, you know, with one of these large companies, IBM hasn't done it quite yet, but Microsoft might do it. Facebook clearly has their ideas how to do it. One of these companies will figure out, hey, there's a way for us to really grow and scale this on a global scale. So people like our grandmothers or mothers can utilize cryptocurrency and the blockchain in a very benign or simplistic way. Yes, uh, thank you. I agree with some with uh, what you're saying. What's mm-hmm. going to go on with some of the large corporations? They're going going to um, bring about the uh, adoption to the consumer base. Uh, right now, a lot yeah. of the businesses uh, are working B to B, but that B to C right now uh, is just really limited just to the people who want to buy crypto. Uh, it's not really uh, applications here in the United States for you to purchase. Um, you know something uh, and just tap it just like uh, using your Apple Pay and we don't have that ability there uh, like they do uh, in Asia and some other parts so we are behind but we are catching up. Yeah I, I agree too. I just wanted to add you know that's why I brought up the Block Certs, um, uh company because that's something that we're working with with CrowdCreate but uh, they're partnered since 2016 with Microsoft and Microsoft has just expanded their relationship to take them into five thousand of their enterprise clients are going to be introducing them and recommending them and this is for all business functionality for all data and transmission whether it be in currency or cryptocurrency or whatever the uh, form of payment or data is in the uh, in whatever form it takes this is going to have a, a very far-reaching uh, positive effect for companies to own and control their own data and also to get a faster, more rapid uh, response and functionality in many in, in many of the actions that they, uh, utility actions that they need. So when you look at KYC and DocuSign, you look at Salesforce that does CRM, all these companies that are around that are very profitable now can be replaced or, you know, companies can control and own their own data and their own transmissions, whether it be in currency or data, uh, going forward with all this functionality. And Microsoft and BlockSearch are doing it. And it's a very exciting um, company because it does touch every company out there, small, medium, and large. And then it'll eventually spill over into the B2C play uh, as well. 
But uh, that's why I brought it up, and I'm I'm so excited about uh, Oracle is another one that's very, uh, very progressive and has been introducing a lot of different companies uh, to us at CrowdCreate and, um, you know, that we're working with. And Microsoft certainly has been a, a leader here since 2016 with us and supporting and growing and recommending once they hit certain, you know, uh, certain proven uh, utility usages to their customers and their clients. Yeah, it's exciting. So, wanted to get that in there to reiterate what you said, Barbara, because that's really where it's got to go and where it is going. And sometimes you see it, sometimes you well, don't, but it's there. And if, yeah, you, if, you, if you think about the application of what, what uh, we're discussing, which is data and controlling data, you know, um, you know, I mentioned Facebook, and they're not very, um, they've lost favor because they haven't been able to control data, and that's right. been very uh, disconcerting to people, but it's also made people more aware of who has what data and who is controlling my data in general. And so from a company side, that's important, but also from a consumer side. So if you think of what Voxert is, you know, the problem they're solving, which is really like who is controlling whose data, you know, that's a huge yeah. thing, not only from a B2B side, it's also a huge thing from a consumer side, because I think most yeah. people now are most, most painfully aware of, you know, I've gotten a data breach, I've gotten, you know, uh, Facebook is using my data to monetize it. Google is using my yep. data to monetize it. This one's using my data to monetize it. And so, you know, to be able to take that back and monetize your own self and your own data is, is, is important. And then that can kind of touch across not only your, your, uh, consumer side, but also your business side. Like, what data yeah. do I really need to have access to? What data do I really need to give access to the company? If there's intellectual property that I own, do they need to know about that? Can I keep that down to the side? You know, there, there's other kinds of elements around data and identity and what is yours versus yeah. what is not yours that can be tracked that way. So that's, yeah, that's I a agree. Powerful, yes. powerful thing. And, and you bring up a good point on, on Facebook and because they are trying to retrench and launch their own global coin, the leap, you know, through the Libra network and they've domiciled it in, uh, in Switzerland, I believe. But regardless, they're trying to find vehicles too that can unlock not only certainly more profit potential, but give back something to the consumers. They're trying to, you know, allow this token to be, um, you know, to be used for different types of purchases and different types of uh, rewards type programs that the consumer can get a hold of or earn in different ways and and, uh, and monetize for themselves or get something of value. So, you know, um, you know, in retail or whatever it is. So I do believe, you know, it's kind of driving a lot of this, whether from a regulatory standpoint or from a profit standpoint or both, it's driving a lot of the behavior that these corporations that have these large pools of, you know, of, of users and all this data to really um, protect it and get out front and try to utilize different uh, formats to to um, create something that's going to be in a positive light and profitable, as always. Yeah. So yeah. it's exciting to see that kind of drive some, some adoption. Anyway. Yes, and uh, listen to both of you talking. I, I can talk about the 
effect and the influence that the, like you said, big data is having and how Microsoft and and Amazon and all the large companies like Oracle who are controlling the data, uh, they're the ones who are moving into blockchain, the, the, uh, the uh, cloud-based companies who are powering everything through the cloud and the big data through the cloud. They now they're starting to work with the blockchain also. I'm not a, a technical person, but maybe you could talk a little, a little bit about the intersection of cloud and, and the blockchain. Well, I mean, from a technical side, you know, the cloud is just a way in which people can store elements, you know, store large pieces of software, um, and then other people can access it. Um, the blockchain, on top of that, can be utilized in order to do, you know, identity verification and validation. It can be used for tracking. It can be used for logistics and supply chain. It could be used for uh, kind of, you know, anything really. Um, but the reason why it makes sense for Amazon or Microsoft or Oracle or any of these cloud providers to kind of come in and, and utilize the blockchain, well, Amazon, if you look at them, they would probably use it more from a logistics distribution side of life. They could also use it, um, I know lately they've had like uh, Louis Vuitton handbags, coach handbags, like these high-end bags um, are, are saying, hey, we want to make sure that if you purchase the bag from us, it's really our bag. I mean, Amazon, we know they have fake goods there or goods that aren't uh, of the highest quality. And so how do you go about combating that? That's a way that you could potentially have vendors put goods onto a blockchain and kind of validate like, hey, this is really what I say it is. Because um, we know that fake uh, merchandise appears on Amazon. Um, the other thing you could do with a blockchain on Amazon side, anyway, would be like reviews. Are these reviews really valid? We also know fake reviews occur. <laughs> so how do you go about kind of combating some of that? Uh, so there, you know, there are a few practical uses from Amazon side, and just from a cloud side. Uh, I think it's just a, a good combination of you have this piece of software that's housed somewhere. How do you go about tracking, validating people? How do you track data? How do you go about, you know, getting rewards back? How do you go about, you know, how, how, how does it mix with AI? How do you combine those two? Amazon's a big player in that. Oracle, not so much. But, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of practical use cases that are going to come out of that. Yes, there's more and more use cases that are being developed, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ability right now uh, to use the big data and to use blockchain uh, to scale globally a lot quicker, a lot faster for uh, smaller companies. Uh, so maybe we could talk a little, a little bit about uh, investing and what you're seeing in the landscape, in the incubator, um, and in the accelerators that you're working with. What kind of companies are you seeing um, that are building and, and growing um, blockchain and uh, that, that are interesting uh -huh. to you? So I see a couple of types of companies. Um, most of the companies I see are B2B level. So they're trying to solve a problem for, you know, between two businesses. You know, I've seen several in the healthcare space, which is great. I've seen one in the media and entertainment space, and I have one that is one exchange, which is interesting, and then one... Um, kind of using blockchain to help with the identity verification and distribution. So um, 
and so those are kind of the, the ones that I see. Those are fairly common. Um, there are a lot of wallets out there I see. There's a lot of, you know, money remittance ones I see. There's a lot of, um, still a lot of exchanges, which is very interesting to me. <laughs> so I'm thinking, hmm. Is that quite, uh, you know, how many more exchanges do you need and how are you going to compete against some of the larger ones? Um, what else do I see? Then I see companies at the protocol layer. So those are, these are the ones that are trying to create their own kind of blockchain either on top of Ethereum or to uh, replace Ethereum. So, for example, I've seen proof of kind of wine. So is this wine valid from this winery at the protocol layer? What else have I seen at the protocol layer? I mean, they've, they've done different, like, proofs of, like, proof of location is another one. Um, are you in the place where you say you are? Um, and that's, like, at the lowest levels of the blockchain. Now, why, why are those useful? It could be, you know, from the location one is actually super useful. If you ever wanted to kind of do mapping on the blockchain or kind of make sure that somebody is where they say it, they are and you wanted to, to validate that, that that's where they are. Or if you ever wanted to say, hey, you know, Barb was at this job in this location, that could be a part of the metadata um, to validate that, um, you know, my credentials. So that's a, that's a, uh, an opportunity there. I don't know why I would ever want to prove that this wine was real. I guess if you're buying high-end wine, just like you're buying a high-end handbag, you want to validate that the the, the person uh, uh, providing the wine is the actual person. Uh, so these these are these are kind of the two things I've seen now from an investment side. You know, B two B companies are often more uh, attractive than B2C companies, especially in this space in this moment, because you're solving business problems and scaling your company is e is easier than in the B2C world because B2C is still looking for, you know, kind of a killer app or something that'll create mass adoption worldwide. Well, it's very simple for people to just utilize the blockchain as infrastructure. Well, thank you for that. I want to uh, see what the current landscape, what you're seeing. I'm seeing some of the same things also, um, so especially here in New York um, at Consensus. I've seen a few uh, exchanges here, and I had a few of those same questions uh, that you had that you brought up yourself about all the um, different exchanges that are coming. And also, I've seen a few uh, different uh, companies, uh, media companies, and trying to. Uh, um, um, trying to develop um, from the B2B point of view also, yes, about consensus and, and some of the similarities that I've seen oh, about okay. the, the exchanges also uh, here um, uh -huh. during consensus week, um, some exchanges that I've met and some of the different types of companies that were similar uh, to what you've seen um, in the current landscape uh, for companies. But, you know, this is uh, blockchains global, so you never know what you're going to see. There's a lot of great ideas out there. And like you're saying, more on the B2B side than the B2C side. Uh, I think there's more traction there and there's going to be more adoption yeah. on the B2B side um, um, if you have a great idea. 
um, and uh, you're trying to impact society, uh, I think there's going to be more social impact on the B2B side, and then that'll spread out uh, to the consumers, uh, to the consumers, and the consumers will get benefits from all the technology and the advances uh, that are coming up. Um, merging yeah. everything together with blockchain is a very exciting time. Um, maybe we could talk also now a little bit about what you're doing. Very interesting about the um, the women and the accelerator um, with the Opportunity Fund. Could you explain a little bit about uh, how that works? Because I think some people are not familiar with the uh, Qualified Opportunity Zones. Well, uh, Opportunity Zone is created by, has been created by uh, and, and managed over the, by the Treasury. Um, it came out of the Jobs Act of 2012, so Obama signed it. It got extended through this current administration. And so what it is, is it's the ability for people to take their capital gains and defer it potentially to zero for 10 years. So there's a step down basis in it if you invest in a fund. The fund has to have, uh, it can have two components. The first component, it must have a real estate portion. So our fund does have real estate associated with it, but we are doing co-working and kind of like manufacturing. We're, we're kind of making it business centric versus some opportunities on funds where you see kind of multifamily hotels, you know, low income housing, because we believe that that's, you know, it's wonderful to do, but that's not where kind of the real list of the communities is going to occur. And so that's the real estate component. The other half of what we're doing is, is we're going to locate, if they're not in opportunity zones, because you must deploy your powder in them, companies there and run our incubation acceleration techniques in, in the companies in those zones. And so not only will we kind of get additional different types of deal flow and more diverse deal flow, you know, we will also be kind of creating ancillary uh, employment and primary and, and secondary employment for people in those opportunity zones. And the reason why we've picked advanced technology is because people have to know about these things because this is the next-gen workforce. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Microsoft, Oracle, um, you know, uh, GE, I just got something. They're putting things on blockchain. I know all the top uh, Fortune 100 companies are utilizing the blockchain in some capacity and or, and or experimenting with it in some capacity. So if you are not versed in that and you do not understand that, you may not be able to get a job. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we want to create the next generation workforce as well. So that's kind of what our, our thrust is, and that's what our Opportunity Zone Fund is about. Okay, great. That's fantastic. Thanks, Barbara. So you're kind of using the Opportunity Zones to get through the digital divide by having these um, co-working spaces in Opportunity Zones. Is that part of it? Co-working spaces, and we're also going to be funding companies that are doing blockchain and AI as well. And, and that, that are gender equal. That's what we're doing. Right, right. The gender, right, gender equal. But those, uh, those companies don't have to be in the opportunity zone. Just as long as you're, they, uh, they actually do have to be in an opportunity. They actually do have to be in the opportunity zone. Oh, they do. Okay. But if they're not, we can put them in there. 
I mean, because we'll have a, we'll have the vehicle to do that. Right, you'll have right, you have the the co-networking space. Very interesting. Yes, now that's that's very unique because I've seen some different ideas, like you said, that the housing, hotels for opportunity zones, multifamily. Um, but I haven't heard too much about the. Um, the co-networking spaces for Opportunity Zone. That's very, that's very uh, exciting to hear about that concept by using uh, those funds and uh, to develop in the Opportunity Zones opportunities to bridge the digital divide. Absolutely. Yes. And Will, uh, so um, I guess maybe you've heard a little bit about Opportunity Zones also, and what are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's definitely, it's a great vehicle for people that want to um, invest and, and prosper, you know, tax deferred, somewhat tax free long term. And there's some great uh, properties. Uh, I'm sure Barbara has some even in the Los Angeles area, but uh, they're all over. You know, I'm, I'm invested in one that's hydropower in, in Tennessee and the Tennessee River and stuff. So, and that actually is funding, uh, supplying energy for uh, some uh, crypto mining, a large, very large, profitable, still profitable crypto mining farm out there because they have such a, a great, uh, uh, you know, um, access to inexpensive power, which is, of course, a key component to uh, mining to computer mining and and cryptocurrency and digital currency, but it happens to be an opportunity zone, which makes it even better because it's such a depressed area and has been through the lack of coal mining and different other uh, other uh, industries that are suffering. So it's you know Barbara's right; it's a great gift. You know, tr- uh, President Trump put it through. Uh, no no political uh, comments here, but at the same time, he definitely streamline something for uh, for you know future investment uh, that invest today and certainly tax defer all the way through the process and it fits really quite well with uh, digital assets and, and from mining all the way through other functionality and also uh, real estate and uh, blockchain applications so commend Barbara and her accelerator for getting involved and certainly that's a you know a hot topic. Oh, those are my thoughts. Yes. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to yeah, t- well, know that. You- a, yeah. It's a, it's a great productive spot, and like I say, anytime you could, you know, work with something uh, long term that defers and 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 works legally with a, a good tax break, that's uh, certainly the best of all all worlds and certainly you know the opportunity zones and that i know about in oregon and like i said east coast and los angeles it's uh uh certainly uh, i think going to be a really excellent uh investment vehicle yes thank you um yeah so uh thanks will and Barbara, what would you uh, think about advice that you could give to uh, some companies? And we've been talking about uh, how to the different co-networking spaces and the different incubators and accelerators uh, that you have experience with. What advice would you give um, some companies and startups uh, how to uh, get into an incubator and what they should look at and, and how they should get started? Incubate. How would you get into an incubator or an accelerator? You, you have to apply and finish your application. Like, fill it all out. There's a reason why it's there and it needs to be completed. <laughs> um, number two, um, you know, accelerators have uh, levels as well. 
So you have to ask yourself, at what level is my company? I mean, there's some pre-cellerators. So there's pre-cellerators here in, in LA. I don't know if there are any down there in Irvine, if you will, but there's some ones that are kind of like, take you from idea to get you kind of the MVP or the first revenues. Then there's kind of ones that get you from first revenues to second level revenues. And then there's ones that kind of accelerate you up to kind of the maybe series B and then you're kind of out, out of, you know, hopefully you're out of the accelerator game at that point. So you have to ask yourself, does this kind of qualify? Um, do I qualify for this type of accelerator? Because there's a money stack and you want to make sure that you're in the right part of the money stack. Um, otherwise, you're just going to go from accelerator to accelerator to accelerator. I know people that do this as well. And that's fine. But then when do you ever kind of want to scale your company? Um, you're you're accelerating your company to get from one milestone to another milestone to get you to the next round of funding. That's really why you're accelerating your company. Um, and the reason why ours are, are unique, both of ours are very unique, is because we try to get you from one point to the next point so you can get the next round of funding so you can grow and scale your company. Um, and we help you to meet milestones either via funding or via customers so you can get that next round of funding. Otherwise, like, you know, if you don't have enough revenues, you know, the next round of funding may not be attractive to you. If you don't, if you have, if you don't have enough customers, the next round of funding may not be attractive to you. If you don't have a product, the next round of funding may not be attractive to you. So that's kind of one thing to think about on the acceleration side. Um, as far as like companies in general, um, companies have very basic kind of. I call it blocking and tackling that you have to kind of do. There's some certain things that you have to do in order to get ready to accept funding. A, you know, you have to make sure your company is structured properly. You know, a lot of people come and they don't have a structure. Um, two, if you have a co-founder, you have to be mindful of, you know, how are you guys playing well together? Three, uh, if you don't have a product, you probably should go build one. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are like, hey, I need this money to go and build my product. But the reality of it is, is like, you haven't proven just having an idea in and of itself proves nothing because as Will knows, I'm sure he hears many, many, many ideas as well. And, you know, it's the ones that kind of execute on their ideas that gain a competitive edge against other companies that don't. So just having an idea in and of itself, you know, isn't quite good enough. Um, and then in, in kind of the blockchain space, there's extra things that people look at. You know, where your social media, where your kind of community, um, you know, is this, do you even need a blockchain? Now, a lot of people are using that as a buzzword as well. And it's, is it even useful to your, to your company? I mean, does it really apply to what you're doing? Now, and same thing with artificial intelligence. Like, why would you use that? Um, a lot of people are using that. I mean, that that one has a more viable reason. But, you know, blockchain, still a lot of people come and say, hey, I'm going to just put this on a blockchain. All right, that's nice, but why would you do that? So there's some elements there. And, you know, in the end, most people are evaluated on them. Can you execute on what you say? Because, you know, we're, we're both, it's going to be a synergistic kind of relationship there. And depending on how early you get in from a money side, you know, it's going to be long term. 
uh, even from an acceleration side, you know, can you work with these people? Are these people serious? Do they have the right kind of mentality, attitude? And there's so many factors because we're people. So got to look at that as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank so you for that advice. One advice or many advices, but you know, <laughs> that's these great. Are some of the things that I, I look at. <laughs> no, that that kind of wraps it up. Uh, that that makes sense. Uh, that's some uh, great advice that that you. Uh, you provided. Uh, thank you very much, Barbara. And uh, as we start uh, wrapping this up, maybe you could um, tell us uh, how people get in touch with you. What are your future plans? Or what are you doing right now with the accelerator? And uh, maybe we could talk about some things as we're wrapping up there, Barbara. So uh, I'm I'm available on my website, barbarabickham.com. Uh, you can find me also on Twitter, TechGenai, Instagram, TechGenai, LinkedIn, Barbara Bickham. Um, those are kind of my primary ways that I uh, I get in touch with people. Uh, Wifax, Wifax.vc, um, W-I-F-A-X.vc. That's another way to kind of find out what's happening with the, the fund. Um, I'm in the process of raising the fund, so that's you know uh, I'm on the on the same side as most entrepreneurs raising raising money. Uh, so that's always uh, interesting and fascinating. Um, and then uh, what else am, am I doing? Our accelerator, uh, the accelerator for global growth, will probably start back in the fall. Uh, we're going to set up the dates and times, so we'll probably start uh, advertising for that uh, July-ish. We'll, we'll start uh, knocking that back up, and that's with House at USC. And then just, you know, a lot of speaking, a lot of going around and a lot of speaking um, uh, opportunities for me. I have two or three in the next couple of weeks here. And then also, um, because blockchain is global, I've been invited to go uh, to some other countries and kind of see what are they doing in the blockchain space. So I just came back from Malta. I'm, I'm uh, trying, I'm setting up a, an opportunity to go to South Korea and kind of Asia market and see what they're doing. Um, and uh, I'll be back in Europe again. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kind of see what they're doing a little bit more in, in Europe proper. Uh, so it's, it, it's fascinating to see kind of the different ideas and thinking and culture and and who is applying what to the blockchain and how it's being applied in these different uh, countries around the world. Well, thank you for that. Wow. Very exciting times. And thank you for that, Barbara. And we wish you uh, the best on your journeys. And um, what we'd like to do is uh, have some parting words from Will. Yeah, well, I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to help or hear, you know, more and follow Barbara's uh, ascent and her, her path or, you know, her, her trials and, and travels and all that. So it's great to see the international flavor. I've spent, you know, quite a bit of time in, in Korea and Hong Kong. You know, we have a crowd create, we have an office in Hong Kong and uh, quite a bit of exposure over there when we're helping companies raise money or meet the right, you know, qualified investors and, uh, you know, and what we do and also the right influencers and experts that we we pair them with to, you know, get the right message and get those, get the traction and, and certain uh, offerings that uh, companies need to exist and grow. Um, I think it's just going to be an exciting rest of this year and I think even 2020 is even going to be uh, even more fruitful as far as uh, quality projects and announcements, that type of thing. I know the uh, back exchange is going to start here in uh, July or August, which is in your backyard, David. 
Um, you know, and like I say, there's there's exchanges and then there's exchanges. And, you know, when you're talking fidelity and backed, which is a, a course part of ICE and, they, they, you know, backed by the New York Stock Exchange and those types of things, those exchanges that will bring in the institutional uh, players uh, globally as well as domestically are are really the, the next layer or the next uh, step up. So I'm excited about all of that. You know, I'd love to hear from everybody that, you know, will at crowdcreate.us is the best way to email me, get a hold of uh, me or check out our deck and five years of case studies of, uh, you know, what we've done in, in raising money and, and also pairing uh, companies and projects with the right experts, influencers from around the world that can uh, make a big, big difference and traction and success. So thanks for having me, and Barbara, it's great meeting you. I look forward to meeting you in person since we're not too far from each other. Yeah, and, uh, proximity. Uh, make that happen. Yep. Yeah, it'd be great. And we're in Los Angeles a lot, and if you're down in Irvine, where our home office is, then we'd love to entertain you. Oh. So. Yes, we'll, uh, we'll figure all that out. Yeah, I'd love to see your fund myself because that's something that I would be personally, I'm a, you know, accredited and would love to see what uh, what you're doing and if it's a fit for my, my portfolio. There you go. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for being on. <laughs> great, thank you. Yeah, thank you both, Barbara. Make a sale right here. Yeah, great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Awesome. Love it. Okay, thank you for coming on Building the Blockchain. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast, Barbara. And uh, we'll uh, talk to thank you soon. You. Thank you for having me, David. I will.